hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. You know, it's not amazing to me. It's not a, not the right word that I'm thinking of, but it's the one that comes to my mind. But it, it just fills my heart being here the fourth Sunday of Lent. And I uh, have been thinking and praying since we started this season that I wanted to make sure you had some tools to take with you to continue to grow in your faith during this season. That way, that's why we have the spiritual practices in in the bulletins, and uh, we're doing the fasting. And if you uh, go to our website, we have a, a page dedicated to that, and and we'll have some more for you to to try on. Just because I I, I want and I feel the Holy Spirit working within our church this year as we move closer to the cross, as we move closer to ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and that power that is at work within us is a power that reminds us that God is alive and that God is active in each and every one of our lives and God is active in our community. And it is so important as the people of God to realize that, that, that we exist for a whole lot more than just coming on Sunday mornings. We exist for a whole lot more than just to maybe open our Bibles here or there, or to say a prayer here or there, but, but we exist to make a difference because Christ has made a difference in us. And I know I say that a lot, and, and, and I'll say it over and over again because I believe it's true. I believe it's true, and I believe that the best way that we can experience that and the best way that we live into that is by the love and grace of Jesus Christ and us gathered as Christ's community here as Roy City First United Methodist Church. So as we prepare to hear God's word this morning, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, there is no sweeter name in the name of Jesus. I think that's why we, we call on your name. Because you come to rescue us. You come to set us free. You, you come to give us life and life abundantly. And then you call us to share that life with others. So, Lord, as we spend these next few moments together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So last week we we talked about the relationships of Jesus and how those relationships relate to each and every one of us. You know, if, if you think about it, relationships were key to Jesus' ministry. 
Jesus, he had very significant relationships with, with three people, Peter, James, and John, that, that got to see things that the other disciples didn't get to see. And then he had a relationship with the, with the 12 full disciples. And then Jesus then did ministry with the world around us. And I've been thinking about this this week. And, and the thing that has, has come to my mind is remembering and understanding that we, individually and, and communally, as, as a group, we thrive on relationships. Now, I, I don't care if you're like one of the most out there uh, extroverts or if you're one of the most held together inside introverts. We need to have people in our lives. We, we, we need to have one another. We, we need to be in community. And I think one of the things that we need to deal with post-pandemic is to recapture the need for relationships. And, and my friends, that takes courage. That, that, that takes courage to do that because it's so easy for us to get caught in cycles and, and caught in patterns. You know, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today about weight loss, and and I, I've kind of looked down on myself a little bit because you know I did so well for a while, and I'm I'm seeing myself as I step on the scale just kind of creeping up and up and up again. And and, and as I was talking to him about this, he just realized you know you have to understand where you are. You have to understand where you are and, and where it is that you want to go, and then you just need to do that. And, and I think that's what courage is all about. Courage is, is taking those steps to make sure that you do the next thing. Sometimes we get stuck in, in our own lives, and we feel like we can't move forward or we can't take the next step, but we must continue to take the next step and that's why this series is so important and, and I have a, a passion for it is for us taking the courage to take the next step to have a Jesus-shaped life and one of the ways that we can have a Jesus-shaped life is that we must have a Jesus-shaped mind we, we, we must think we, we must use this gift that God has, has given us and see how is God calling me to live a Jesus-shaped life. So our scripture for this morning helps us to see how we take on the characteristics of a Jesus-shaped mind and gives us characteristics that we need to leave behind. Our scripture is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I invite you to follow along in your Bibles, or we'll have it here on the screen for you to follow as well. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the Roman church, and he writes to us, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I know you've all have heard stories about lottery winners. You know, these, these people who, uh, and, and, and people who, who put money down to win a lottery ticket or, or to win mega, mega, mega millions and everything. And, and we hear the stories of those who have won and, and the, the exuberance and, and the joy that they have when they have won. But, but it's not always a great story. Did you know that 44% of all lottery winners who have ever won a jackpot were broke within five years? Did you know that one-third of all winners have declared bankruptcy? See, there is a correlation here. They, they, they have the things that have changed their circumstances. However, what they have failed to do, they have failed to change their thinking. Now, it's easy to take something like a lottery winner and go, well, yeah, no wonder. I mean, they just weren't prepared and they just thought that they could do whatever they wanted to do. But my friends, what if we took a look at that through being followers of Jesus Christ? How sometimes we can take the acceptance that we receive from Jesus and then go, okay, that's it. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior and everything is great and fine. And then you don't do anything about it. You don't change your thinking. And you continue to do the same things that you did before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you wonder, well, well what in the world is happening? Why, why isn't my life different? I, I've accepted Christ, but you know, I'm still you know, living and doing those things that brought me down or, 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 or brought me down to the depths of sin in my life. It's because we haven't changed what we think about. It's because while we have accepted Christ, we still are thinking about those things in our past, those, those things that hold on to us, that, those things that, that, that drive us to uncertainty. Just like what Jesus reminds us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's about denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily, and following Jesus. There's that one little word in that scripture that always causes me pause, and I think I may have inadvertently skipped it the very first time I read that passage. I didn't say the word daily, did I? See, that is the life that we are called to do. We are called to give up and take up our cross daily. 
to remember what Christ has done for us each and every day to know that we don't have it all together. No matter how much we, we try to think that we have it all together, we don't. But thanks be to God, we are able to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. There's something about following Jesus. There, there, there is something about following Jesus that, that, that may not fix everything right away, but it, but it helps us to, to think about our lives in a different status. And it helps us to think of our lives in a different way because what Christ ultimately brings us is peace. Peace to deal with the life and the situation around us. And I don't know about you my, right now, friends, but for me, I need a lot of peace in my life. I, I, I need peace. I need understanding. I, I need the love of Christ to, to fill me so I can just make it one day after another. But thanks be to God that he gives us those words to remind us of the peace that he gives. John 14, 27, I know I don't have this on the screen, but John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Christ doesn't give to us as the world gives because what the world gives us leads to destruction. What, what, what the world gives us, gives us a false sense of hope, gives us a false sense of security, gives us the opportunity to look at our lives and say, look, I got this all taken care of. I got this all, and, and, and I don't need anyone or anything to take care of who I am. But if you live that life over and over again, you'll live and end up like one of those lottery winners. And not just be financially bankrupt, but you will be spiritually bankrupt as well. Remember our passage for this morning. The, the Romans passage reminds us that the courage of Jesus is the courage of letting go the pattern of the world around us and allowing ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds to see what God's will is. Not my will, not, not my neighbor's will, not, not the president's will, not Congress's will, not the bishop's will, not all the different wills that are out there in the world, but it is the will of Jesus Christ that we must align our life to. It's not self-improvement. It's not going to, to Barnes and Noble or to Borders or searching up on Amazon to see what the greatest and latest self-help book is all about. All of those may give you some tools and tricks and everything to help you move forward, but it all takes a change of thinking. A, a realignment of, of your will to what God's will is. A, a realignment to hear and to understand what God is calling us to do. And my friends, 
that takes courage. That takes courage to live our life as Christ has called us to live. Because the world fills us with a bunch of false narratives. And there's another word that we can use for false narratives. And that word is a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is, right? It, 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 it's, it's a fixed point that, that you have that, that makes it hard to, to penetrate. And our lives are filled with different strongholds. And there's a way for us to battle those strongholds that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4, as he reminds us that we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish the strongholds in our lives. So, so what are those strongholds that we have in our lives? I, I think there, there, there are two different categories that we can look at these strongholds. The one category is a stronghold against God. And, and the stronghold helps feed these narratives that we have of who God is. And some of those strongholds are like this one. God is good. I'm bad. Try harder. God is good. I'm bad. Try harder. We, we, we think that, that God is this holy, magnificent thing that we cannot have any relationship with because we are so bad. And we have to try harder and harder every day just to even come close to being in relationship with him. But that's wrong. We know that that is a false narrative. How about this one? God really doesn't love me like he loves other people. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know people in your life that you go, well, there's no way that God loves me like, like, he, loves, like he loves Ruth. God absolutely is, is madly in love with Ruth, but there's no way that God loves me like God loves Ruth. Or, or God doesn't love me like he loves Olin. Or God, you know, you can go on and on. You can, you can think of people in your life who are so godly in your mind. They are so perfect. They, they are so in God's will that there is no way in the world that God would love me like he loves other people. Here's another one. God doesn't hear me when I pray. That is a stronghold that I think really holds tight. I have heard so many different stories about prayer this past week that has just blown me away. How God has heard the prayer of, of ordinary people. Not, not, not Billy Graham or, or, or not you know, uh, some high and powerful worship person, but just an ordinary person. God hears their prayer. So if God hears their prayer, why wouldn't God listen to my prayer? Strongholds are also come against ourselves. And these are the battles that we face when we, we look at who we are and, and they, they kind of feed into the other narrative about who God is. And, and these narratives drive us insane. 
I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to go ahead and say something about it. How many of you are playing this, this, this game called Wordle right now? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Wordle? Anyone? There's a few people. Wordle is this word game that uh, it, it started uh, almost a year ago. And you have six opportunities to kind of guess what a five-letter word is. And, and me and language and words and spelling, they don't go well together. Uh, I, I, my best friend is the little red squiggly line on uh, Word documents to let me know that I misspelled something. I even have a program called Grammarly that helps me figure out what I write and what I say does well with grammar-wise and also does well with spelling. Anyhow, I, I have not done that well with Wordle, and, and today's word was uh, specifically difficult for me, and I didn't get it. Yesterday's word was also another really difficult word that the very last time I took the letters that I had and I went to another website to find those letters in a certain word, and, and I was able to get it on the sixth try. And I told a couple of friends that, and they said, you cheater. <laughs> but see, I have a thing in my life where I feel like I'm not good at that, so I don't want to make, I want to make myself look better than I really am. I want to make sure that I continue in my streak. This morning I didn't continue my streak, but... That's a different thing. But see, that's a stronghold that I have in my life that I am not good at this, or I stink at it. I stink at grammar. I stink at spelling, and I'm never going to get any better. But see, every single time I say that, and every single time I think about that, what am I doing to my own self-worth? I'm driving it down and down, and down. Here are some other strongholds that we may hold against ourselves. I can never forgive myself. Maybe there's something that you have done in your past, and you go, there's absolutely no way that I'm able to forgive myself for what I did. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something you did on the job, or maybe it's something that you did, with, you did with somebody else. And you go, I, I just can never forgive myself for that. It brings you down lower and lower. I will never amount to anything. You know, <laughs> you look around life, there's a lot of people that are doing a whole lot better than I am. I, I'm, I'm never going to amount to anything because I just, I just can't. If something is going, if something bad is going to happen, it'll happen to me. If you think of that, of that pig pen character in Peanuts cartoons, you know how he always walks around, he has this cloud around him. Even Charlie Brown to a point, you know, I remember the Halloween episode where they're talking about what different candies they got in their bag. I got, I got a Snickers bar, I got some Skittles, and Charlie Brown looks at his bag and he says, well, I got a rock. If something bad is going to happen, it will happen to me. These are the strongholds, my friends, that we need to have a change of mind about. 
We, we need to stop thinking about those worldly things and what the world is telling us and stand on the truth of God's word for us. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with verse 5 saying, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, we, we need to take care and take captive of all of those things that we are thinking of and make them captive to who Christ is and what Christ has done in our lives and what, what Christ has come for us and what Christ has given us. And there, there are two ways that I can think of that we can demolish these arguments. The very first way that we demolish these arguments is that we root ourselves in Scripture. That is what we need to do. Sometimes the last thing we do is pick up this book here because we feel like we can hand everything, we can do everything on our own, and we fail to go to God's Word for what He would call us to do. We, we must take the opportunity to get God's Word in our minds so that we can make our thoughts obedient to Christ, to make our thoughts Christ thoughts so that we may know what his will is, his good and perfect will. I'll admit, I, I, I'm a game nut, and, and you know this, this is where I play all of my games. When I'm sitting at a doctor's appointment, when I'm waiting for something to happen, I have, I don't know how many games I have on this, but I, I, I go back and forth between five or six of them. There's also something else that I have on this, and that is uh, the YouVersion Bible app. And I just opened it, and I realize I'm opening it for the first time in a long time because my streak is down to one. Because I, I, you know, I, I, I don't open this up as much as I, I should. You know, what would it look like if you were to download this Bible app, which has over 100 million downloads now, and instead of going to a game, spending time reading God's Word. There, there are a lot of Bible plans out there that you can, you can participate and you can do, or you can just open up and just start in the book of Mark and, and, and read a chapter at a time. Not so that you can check off some box and say, well, I got that done, and I'm glad that I'm a completed number of plan of 50 out of 60 or, or whatever to get a badge, but to say, no, I want to know God's perfect will for my life. I, I want to know the word of God so that when trouble comes, when, 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 I, when I am in need or when I am in desperation, I can immediately go to God's word first instead of trying to go to a self-help guru or a website that says how you can have a better life in five easy steps. But allowing God's word to, to root inside of you so that you know 
what God's will is for your life. I think another way that we can demolish these arguments is that when we root ourselves in prayer. Now, the way that we root ourselves in prayer may be different than how you normally think about rooting yourself in prayer. In in January, I had a couple of good friends of mine. We uh, took a long trip to St. Joseph, Missouri. It was a lot longer than I thought it would be. We thought it would be a quick back-and-forth trip, but it it wasn't. But it was a great trip. There was a pastor there by the name of Brian Zahn who uh, did a, a, a prayer workshop. And so we drove up to St. Joe, Missouri, and we went to his church on a Friday night to have the first part of this prayer, uh, prayer s- s- class, and then we went back in the morning for the second part of that. And, and he talks about in Acts, in the second chapter of Acts, when the disciples are together, they, it mentions that the disciples were together and they devoted themselves to the prayers, and to each other. And and what Brian was saying, what he was talking about, it wasn't that they just sat around and they just did extemporaneous prayers and that's all they did. No, they focused on the prayers that were already written. One of the biggest sources of those prayers are the Psalms. They they prayed the Psalms. They prayed the, the prayers that the early church and the Jewish synagogues that they had from there, and that was the desire of their prayers. So I invite you to share in our prayers. And I don't have it in your bulletin, but I have several copies by each of the door of of two different prayers. One is a morning prayer, and one is an evening prayer. One is a prayer that you can pray each and every morning as you get up with your family or, or with yourself. And the other one is a prayer that you can share as you prepare to go to bed. And I wanted to share with those prayers that are on the screen right now. And since it is morning, would you please join me in this morning prayer? Let us pray together. Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What would it look like if you were to start your morning with that prayer? Looks like to me that's a way for us to set our minds on Christ to transform the renewing of our mind each morning by saying this prayer, to say, God, this morning I am setting my heart and my mind on you so that I will not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. But everything that I do, I will direct to the fulfilling of your promise. Or in other words, your will which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then I went ahead and put up the evening prayer here that I wanted you to see that. Let's, now just don't go to sleep after you read it this morning, but let's just go ahead and read this together as well. Keep watch, dear Lord, 
with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. What would it look like, my friends, if we devoted ourselves to Scripture, devoted ourselves to the prayers that, that the church has given us so that we may live in the good and true, pleasing and perfect will of God our Father. I invite you to, to pick up one of those, um, maybe uh, if we have greeters by the doors, if you can find those, uh, you can just go ahead and pass those out and I'll make more copies for the 11 o'clock service. But put those into practice so that we can then take the courage to change our hearts and minds to live a Jesus-shaped life as we prepare to go to the cross and as we prepare to celebrate at the empty tomb. Let us pray. Oh God, I know this church and I know that they want to be faithful disciples of yours. So God, I pray that as we begin and continue in this season of Lent, that, that the, the words that we pray, the scriptures that we read, help guide us and shape us and lead us so that we can attest and approve God's will in our lives all the good things you give us, all the pleasing things you give us, so that we may live in your perfect will and your perfect way. And so, Lord, we lift this prayer up to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.